And hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Hawkeye Huddle here on 17 Under the Champ. Brett Ridge, Dave Creighton Jr. with you. I'm at G-Migs down here in West Des Moines tonight. Uh, uh, Junior is at home this evening. He is on the phone with us. We got, we got, we got that? Okay. Junior's at, uh, on the phone with us. A, a little under the weather uh, and, uh, well, a lot under the weather, aren't you, bud? I don't seem to have him. I, I'm here. Sorry, I could not hear you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was suggesting you're a bit under the weather. It's the only reason you wouldn't be here with me at G-Migs uh, amidst the Christmas decorations and uh, the fun yes. and frivolity of watching a Hawkeye Hoops game a little bit later on tonight. Uh, but uh, So you'll have to stay home and avoid the uh, – it's pretty icy out there and uh, pretty cold and nasty. But Yeah, uh, that's, David, uh, that's what happens when you get the COVID. <laughs> do you have the COVID? I do. Oh, no. I didn't realize it was official. Yes. So my dog and I are doing the show together. <laughs> <laughs> you sure are. Well, <laughs> I need to turn you up. I'm having a tough time catching you. Maybe we're having a tough time picking each other up a little bit. But I got you uh, you and the dog at home tonight. Uh, hopefully you'll start to get to feeling a little bit better. Um, we'll adjust these. You adjust those there. Okay. Maybe right. No, I, I will. <laughs> okay. And, you know, um, so we could have maybe predicted the other day on Friday when you had a little bit of a cough due to cold, uh, but it was a cough due, due to COVID as we uh, sat there, um, stood there, and sat there in Kinnick Stadium, watched Iowa lose to Nebraska, 17 points for the Hawks, 24-17 to 17 Nebraska wins. I think uh, a lot of us probably could have predicted that maybe if, if Iowa had a tough time offensively, uh, they weren't going to give up 24 points, but then, David, none of us saw Cooper DeGene going down on the third play of the game. Um, and I don't know that we could have anticipated that one player uh, could have that much of an effect on the Iowa defense. I think you can always say Jack Campbell, who, by the way, is the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, according to the media and the coaches today. Uh, maybe he has that kind of effect, and then the next closest thing to it is Cooper DeGene. Well, yeah, and, you know, particularly with DeGene out there on that island that that Phil Parker has found him comfortable in letting him play in that regard as, as you know, first-team All-Big Ten cornerback. Iowa has both of those. Riley Moss gaining that uh, on the other side. And, you know, then the injuries and lack of depth that you have at the cornerback position, and all of a sudden you've got the uh, the freshman who's played – I don't know, 20, 20 plays or so before that, coming in Hall. on the fifth play yep. of the game. It did take Nebraska long to identify him. And, you know, quite honestly, that cost Iowa at least two touchdowns against. Uh, then you lose your best special teams player. We have a muff punt, um, you know, that, that doesn't typically happen with Cooper out there. So, yeah, it's it's amazing to think that a, a guy can have so much so much of a factor um, not being your quarterback, you know. And, of course, we lost our first-team quarterback. Um, and we got to see Alex Padilla, who did announce today he's transferring. Good for him. Uh, go someplace, figure out, you know, I don't, mean, I don't even know where. Louisiana Tech, Colorado State, someplace like that maybe in – and be a good quarterback out there. Well, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with at least one thing here. When you start, uh, we, we can look at uh, a number of things that played into why Iowa lost to their day, but 
let's face it, uh, Sam Laporta uh, will be All-Big Ten first team tomorrow as a tight end, and he was, he's a finalist now for the Mackey Award, so he's uh, headed to New York for that ceremony. Um, of course, you're missing uh, Cooper DeGene in there. He's your All-Big Ten first, uh, first team corner back on the defense. You were missing, as you said, your starting quarterback after the first uh, couple of series. Uh, and although he was way amped up and looked pretty bad in that first couple series, he was one for six for nine yards. I, you know, I think we could have predicted he'd settle down a little bit. And I think we saw uh, out of Alex Padilla why the coaches still felt Spencer Petras probably was the guy, right? There, it's not that, that Alex Padilla was, was terrible in any one way, shape, or form, but uh, – the ball does, it, the ball takes longer to get there with him. He uh, does a nice job of running around, but uh, doesn't necessarily seem to find an open receiver very often when he does run around and uh, didn't seem to have any better control of the offense than Spencer Petrus would have. So that's where things were coming from earlier in the year. And, and it, uh, on senior day, it was tough to lose him. So you're missing three starters there. And, of course, then you start going down the, the row of other guys that could have been playing for Iowa. Terry Roberts, of course, uh, never really did get going this year with his injuries. Uh, you, you were missing Amari Harris the entire year, Justin Jacobs the entire year, uh, with the exception of one game. Uh, even uh, Justin Britt, right, would have been a starting offensive lineman and, right. and uh, hasn't played. And, and the other thing that was a bit of a mystery to both of us, I think, is we saw in the third quarter, uh, Keegan Johnson came in and played at the end of the third quarter and the entire fourth quarter, never had a ball targeted at him. But I'm not sure exactly if that's – why he would have been sitting on the bench for the first three quarters of the game when you're losing, getting down 24 to nothing. Uh, you know, is, was he out there running as a token or just what? Because he could be very well your best wide receiver. Um, so Iowa down a number of players the other day, and then when they got behind, uh, it, it sure felt like an insurmountable lead. But I, I think the thing that we thought while we were standing there, the fans didn't leave. It was really – you got to give Iowa fans credit. That place did not empty out. It was 24 to nothing, no, and it did not empty out. It didn't empty, and, and the Hawks, to their credit, they, do, they don't quit, and they are going to sit there, and they're going to battle, and they're going to fight, um, literally, <laughs> until the very until the final gun. And they, are, they, they just don't quit. That's a testament to them. It's a testament to the coaching staff that gets them to continue to play that hard, um, you know, in a situation that clearly looked dire. And quite honestly, with six minutes to go in the game, we just forced a turnover. If Iowa goes in and scores a touch, that was the that was pretty much the death knoll when we had to settle for the field goal after that. Because had Iowa been able to score a touchdown, I really think, uh, and you don't get the block punt, penalty called on you those two things happen i was got a real chance to at least tie and send that game into overtime hey, you know the, the one there's another one of the little deficiencies of alex Padilla, which you know nothing he can do about it but he's not a very big guy and then the first play out of that turnover uh, on the drive where they ended up only they gaining no yards and taking the field goal they, we were trying to screen pass the running back again, and it was there, right? And the Nebraska uh, lineman just knocked the ball down because Padilla couldn't throw it over him. You know, that, that was there for maybe 20 yards, right? And Iowa had right. dialed it up. But normally we, we look at that play and we get a little frustrated because they're trying it on third and 20. In this case, it was first and 10, and it was a good play call, uh, and, it, and it looked like it could work out, right? And I agree. I think that the momentum was with Iowa there. I think it was still with Iowa all the way up to the um, – 
Boy, the, the Arlen Bruce along the sidelines, did he catch the ball, didn't he? Uh, I go back and watch the, uh, the replays on TV. Cannot figure out exactly how they overturned it. Uh, I don't really – I think both of us thought that he, that he didn't have possession of the ball live. Uh, but when you look at it on TV, I don't know how they overturned it. They have no evidence either way. Uh, but even up to that point, I <clears throat> felt like the Hawks were still fighting. And, you know, um, I have to admit, it, even though we were losing – we were having a pretty good time in that fourth quarter. We were enjoy the, the football game was still good enough. We were cheer yeah. it was enough to have you yelling, screaming on the edge of your seat because in the back of your mind you thought, you know, maybe, just maybe. I, I don't want to overplay this too much, but I, they were fighting, and, and we definitely saw them fighting for that. Um, loved what KJ did. Uh, Caleb Johnson, uh, 109 yards on 16 carries. Another long touchdown run in this one, and, and – David, I really hope that that's a kid that uh, that feels s solid in his commitment to stay at the University of Iowa, uh, because we got three more years of, of a really good running back. Right, right. Well, probably more likely at least two, as running backs tend to, to bolt. But nevertheless, um, yeah, he he is certainly the real deal. Um, I, it would not surprise me if if like Gavin Williams decided to transfer. Um, you know, as he's sort of become the third guy in that. But who knows? Running back such a volatile position, you know, one hit and all of a sudden you're 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 in the game. But uh he's he's a dynamic player. He's the best running back I feel like we've had quite honestly since Sean Green. And that's saying something considering Akram and considering Tyler. You know, uh he's something. He really is. Well, you know, it, 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 what it is is that he's had a good year and, and done some impressive things without really an offensive line, right? He's, he's figured out the way to find the holes, and he, he does a nice job with his cutbacks. Very fluid, a lot of fun to watch, and I agree. He's, he's, he's up there in terms of where Iowa's had running backs in the past. So let's go over the All-Big Ten uh, teams as far as they've come out so far. Jack Campbell, of course, is, is the All-Big uh, Ten linebacker. Uh, uh, first team, he's the linebacker of the year. I think that's the Butkus. Uh, the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten as well. I can't remember which trophy that is. And then, of course, uh, you've also got, uh, as you said, Riley Moss and uh, Cooper DeGene, first team, uh, depending on the coaches and the media, one way or the other. Um, first team defensive uh, backs, the second team if they didn't make the first on the coaches and media. Seth Benson, uh, Lucas Van Ness, and Joe Evans also recognized as second teamers for all Big Ten on the defense. And Torrey Taylor's in there somewhere. I couldn't find it. I saw that he was on the all Big Ten team, but I, I, what I didn't see it released. I couldn't find him either. <laughs> right. I just, I know that, I know that I said, so the University of Iowa sent it out with his picture and said all Big Ten again. I don't know whether that means first or second, right? Never did quite see that, so we'll have to figure that out. Um, I think once you get through this, though, and we look at, uh, as you say, uh, Padilla goes to the portal. So now here's an interesting question for you Who starts the bowl game? If Spencer Petrus uh, is still hurt, you know, let's find out more about his injury. But, uh, right. you know, it looked like he, he did something to his shoulder, right? Um, and well, he was in a sling. Right. That could be something that could he heal in four weeks. Um, I, I seem to remember young Andrew Ridge uh, separating his shoulder once it took only about four weeks right. to, to, to heal. Uh, but if it's a little bit more of a, of a tendon issue, something that's a little bit worse than that, he's not going to be playing. Then do you start Joey Labus uh, and give him well, a shot uh, going into next year? What's your other year? option? Well, uh, 
Padilla is still on the team, David. He's still there. He's entering the well, portal. Well, but if but he's you enter the, the transfer portal and and you sign, aren't you gone? You haven't signed anything. You just entered the portal. But the, you're still on the team. The you signing just, you period just, is in December. Yeah, he hasn't signed anything, right? He hasn't. There's no intent to to go anywhere yet. It's allowing him to be recruited. So I believe he's allowed to play. Um, well, I'm just saying this. I think that the signing period is before the bowl games. So somebody could sign him. Oh, absolutely. Somebody could sign him before the bowl games. That's true. But right now, he's not. He's still on the team. And so, yeah, you're right. You may end up, boy, where do you go after? Where, I mean, that's where you got to go. You got to go to Joey, and he gets his first start uh, in, in a bowl game. We'll have to see about whether or not he signs because I believe that I, I think as long as you don't sign somewhere else yet, and you don't have to, right? You don't have to sign. You don't have to tell anybody you're transferring anywhere until middle of next summer, right? Um, so it, Alex Bia could still be on that on that team, and then then you've got a conundrum as to whether you want to play a, a lame deck qu- quarterback who said he's not going to be with you next year, but going to play somewhere else. He, by the way, he was. Uh, he has graduated, right? So he's gone through his four years, and he's given the University of Iowa four years. He could have transferred last year, uh, particularly when it became fairly apparent that he wasn't going to be the starter this year. So we'll see what ha- what happens. It'll uh, the bowl game, of course, not announced yet as to where Iowa's going. Probably looks like uh, you're down to uh, the Music City Bowl, Duke's Mail Bowl, and there's some I've seen the uh, Iowa in the pinstripe. Uh, nobody really wants to go out there, so I'm kind of hoping that's not it. But um, but in any case. Uh, it'll be an interesting thing to see Joey Labus, and then uh, we'll see what Iowa starts dialing up in the portal. Well, yeah, and obviously the name that everybody got excited about was Cade McNamara from Michigan yesterday when he said he was putting his name in. Um, and I think, I think Iowa had recruited him coming out of high school, so I think they, they feel like there's some connection there. Well, we've seen a couple of things, and what we can talk with Tom probably won't know much more, but uh, Tom Caker might have a little insight on that. That we've seen some things where people are are sort of reporting they've talked to some uh, some players on the team and and some former players who are saying that it sounds like Cade McNamara is really interested, if not already saying he's coming, right? But uh, that's that's a pretty that's that's a big stretch right now as far as it's it's a rumor, right? It's a it's a Wisp of a rumor, right? But uh, that well, would be interesting. Maybe Harbaugh worked out the player to be named later in the Jake Rudock game. Right. 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 Uh, we're probably going to hit the break here in a minute, but uh, the basketball team, David, uh, tonight, Georgia Tech, this coming on the heels of uh, a win against Clemson, 74-71. On Friday night, uh, we went over to the coach's corner there. You and uh, Buzzy and uh, and uh, Andrew and I did and watched uh, the Hawks beat Clemson, and then the next night got got uh, pretty well punished by TCU in the second half, 79-66. After playing a first, a good close first half, not a really a good half, but a close first half with uh, the Horn Frogs, Iowa took it uh, took it pretty badly in the second half. Uh, a couple of big runs by TCU, and uh, they lose by 13, and it wasn't really even that close. I think they were down by 21, 22 at some point in time. Uh, uh, Pat McCaffrey with 21 points in the game against Clemson. And other than that, I, I think the, the highlight of uh, the, the TCU game might have been Aaron Euless, who went seven for eight. And I thought it had a really, really good tournament um, for the Hawks. Maybe he was the most impressive player over the over the two-game span. Well, both Euless and uh, number five, the, the other freshman guard. DeSante Bowen, uh, yep. 
playing. I thought they both played very well. I didn't get to see all of the TCU game, but I did see the run that got TCU up like 13 or 15 early in the second half. And clearly, Iowa never never made a charge. Yep, the Hawks are going to have to make <laughs> score points in order to win basketball games. We're at yep. the break. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll grab Tom Caker to HawkeyeReport.com when we come back on the Hawkeye Huddle. 1700 The Champ and 101.3 FM. And we are back here on the Hawkeye Huddle. Brett Ridge, Dave Craig Jr., as the man says. I'm here at G Migs in West Des Moines. Going out tonight. Hey, it's a little fewer people in here tonight, a little bit less crowded because uh, of the obviously wonderful, lovely Iowa weather. So there's plenty of room to come in here for steak night and hang out. Uh, and uh, they'll have the Hawks on the big screen against uh, big screens, all the screens against Georgia Tech here at 8 o'clock tonight as well. If you wanted to meet Dave Creighton Jr., you're going to have to wait for a couple of weeks because he's, uh, he's at home right now under the weather, but he's on the phone with us. Uh, trooping it out uh, from there, and actually doesn't sound nearly as bad as I thought he might, uh, considering he's got the cough due to COVID. Uh, and also joining us now is our good friend Tom Cakert from HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, I believe we figured out a way in the last couple of weeks to put all three of us on the air together, regardless of where we are. How are we doing, Tom? Doing all right. Just uh, got to Carver Hawkeye. Just about ready to, you know, once we get done here, going to walk into the arena. Um was noticing, I was thinking about this, uh, so th- tickets are available right now for tonight's game. If you're over that way, picking up the radio broadcast, uh, 17 bucks. So they must have a few open seats for tonight, which is a little disappointing but understandable given the time of year, Tom. Uh, uh, attendance might not be uh, super high tonight, even though I think we're going to see some larger crowds against Iowa State and Wisconsin coming up. Yeah, it's. You know, it's tough on a Monday night or a Tuesday night at 8, 8 o'clock at night on a weekday. It's just, it's a tough, tough sell. And um, that's just the reality. And Georgia Tech's not, it's Georgia Tech. So it's just, you know, is what it is tonight. But, you know, let's see if this Iowa team can bounce back after uh, um, after their first loss of the season. Um, let's stay you know, with Tom, basketball for a little bit. Georgia Tech uh, only four and two into this one. I saw your uh, tip time preview. Feeling pretty good about the Hawks tonight. But Tom, Iowa, the the Achilles heel I think of this team was was shown there uh, on Saturday. Night. Well, a little bit on Friday night even, which is if they're not knocking down the threes, they're not quite strong enough in the paint to really bang with teams. And TCU. Uh, aside from a number of things they did right, they really took it to Iowa on the on the interior um, and, and backed Iowa down a number of times and got a lot of close-in shots, and, and Iowa just couldn't recover from that without making the three. They're going to need to get some scoring uh, from the outside, or every night we see them missing three-point shots, they're going to lose. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge, but that's you know kind of college basketball today is if you're not hitting threes, you're probably not going to win, and I, I don't think that's unique to Iowa. I think that's just part of college basketball, and part of basketball today is just you got to be able to knock down a decent amount of threes um, to, to be successful. And, you know, Iowa's probably, I mean, I think we all know they're probably a, a at least one big player short um, this year. Uh, you know, maybe Joshua Gundelay can be that guy, but, um, you know, they've got Robracha. They've got Chris Murray. But after that, it gets thin. And, 
Um, so they're going to rely on, you know, quickness and they're going to rely on shooting. And you know, this weekend, um, they really didn't shoot the ball well. And Peyton Sanford's been struggling. I noted that in my preview that um, after the first two games, he was 6 of 15, which you'll take. That's, that's a good percentage. Um, but um, after that, he's been 1 of 12. So he's got to hit shots. And um, that's, those shots have to start falling here soon. So, Tom, on, on Friday against Clemson, I thought a Ganoli came in and gave him four, three or four good minutes, a couple of sure. rebounds and assists. And yeah. I'm like, Fran's going to have to basically, I think, just say, you know what, Josh, get in there and give us four minutes and live, live with it. Um, and, you know, if that four minutes becomes six because he's playing good, then great. Uh, yeah. But you just, I, there's no, he doesn't have another alternative. I don't see. No, I don't think he does either. I, I think he's just going to have to have to play Josh and have to see what he can get from Josh. And if he can get something good out of him, then fantastic. Then um, it's a positive, but if he can't, then so be it. Uh, and he'll have to, you know, kind of deal with, uh, with that and um, figure some things out. So, um, and just play Philip and, and play uh, Chris. Um, but they've got to just, you know, the other thing that happened the other night is Patrick McCaffrey was the best player on the floor uh, probably Friday night. And then Saturday night he was, he wasn't a factor. And um, that's, you know, maybe that's playing back to back. I don't know. Um, but, you know, consistency is going to be important as well. Yeah, uh, Iowa shot 17% uh, from the three, and then they got out-rebounded 41-28 uh, the other night. And, and I, I think that the rebounding comes into that. And, and this is where I go back. i I got to echo David's sentiments before we get move on. I thought Josh, Josh Gundelay played really well in every minute that they he gave him the other night. I kind of want to see more, right? I, I, I do. I know they've got this really super tough schedule, but I kind of want to see more because I think they're going to need the kid down the stretch. Well, Tonight's Georgia Tech. We'll see how that goes. And then next week they go on the road one week from this evening against Duke in Madison Square Garden. Ought to be um, quite a bit of fun. Uh, let's jump over, Tom, back to football because, uh, of course, David and I started out the show talking about the Nebraska loss. But I think we're turning the page to a bowl game. Um, who would play quarterback in a bowl game? So, first of all, what do you know about Spencer Petras' actual injury? Um, and if Alex Padilla is in the portal but hasn't signed with anybody, is he still eligible to play for Iowa? And even if he is, and he's the only guy available between the two of them, does Joey Labus get the start? A lot of questions there. And it I was threw them all at you. Write them down, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something that I was actually um, talking with a friend of mine uh, about over the weekend because – um, at when we talked to Alex Padilla on Friday, he all but said he was leaving and going to go into the portal. I mean, he just, if he would have said, uh, I'm not going to the portal, I'll see you guys later. Then, you know, he just didn't say, well, I'm just, he said, I'm not thinking about that right now. 
but when he said I'm going to be graduating in December, then it was just sort of like the flashing light that said, yeah, he's probably going to leave. So um, we don't have any update on Spencer at this point, um, other than it was a shoulder injury and um, that they were going to have more, learn more um, yesterday, and they haven't released anything and nobody's said anything to us. So, um, you know, we might not know until Sunday kind of a, a better picture on, on where things stand. But I doubt that Padilla will play in the bowl game for Iowa. I just I don't see that. Um, I, I think they're just going to move on, um, and he's probably moving on, and that might just be the best way to, to handle things. But um, it, it's going to be fascinating in college, college football during this month because uh, I, I'm just going to tell you guys that December 5th, there's going to be a lot of people moving into the portal. There'll be some Iowa players moving into the portal. And how that's handled with a bowl prep and um, everything else is going to be fascinating. So just, you know, just know it's, it's going to be an interesting time in college football uh, <laughs> with uh, thousands of people entering the transfer portal. Do you well, have there's any... already been – Go ahead. Go ahead, David. Go ahead. Okay, there's been two big quarterbacks, obviously Cade McNamara from Michigan, the backup yeah. at Texas, um, has said he's going to enter the portal. And in like you said, whether it's teams that aren't bowl eligible or or guys like Alex Padilla who, who have, you know, basically have graduated but are looking for bigger and better things for one or two more years. I, I I hadn't really thought of it, but you're exactly right that, and I just don't see any way that Iowa, with the nature of the team first, if you've told us you're already leaving, that you're going to be part of part of the team for that bowl trip. Yeah, I just don't I don't see that. They're they, and and they should be focusing on where they're going to land. Um, honestly, you know, if they wanted to wait yeah. until after the bowl game to put their name in the portal, then that's one thing. But I think everybody's going to try and get in there. Some guys are going in, and, and they've already pretty much, um, let's just say, negotiated um, yeah. their landing <laughs> spot. <laughs> uh, and then other guys who are just going in flying blind, boy, that's a dangerous thing because you may find out that uh, the market for your services is not very high. Well, we saw it last yeah, year, Tom. I don't remember. Well, I don't remember the exact numbers, but but I, when we left the air in March, I remember there were still some 600 kids without a ch- uh, you know without a chair to sit in this musical chairs, right? I mean, th- that had gone in, right? It's a new. It is a landscape. You want to get in early and find somewhere to go because uh, if you're one of those guys and isn't sure where you're going, um, th- those spots are going to start to get taken up. So, uh, and you want to go where you're going to play, right? It's interesting. We're talking about Josh Gundley and the basketball team. You know, he put his name in the portal and didn't yep. really see a whole lot there and came back. He right? didn't get any interest. No. Didn't get any interest. Right. So a lot of teams wouldn't have he, taken him back. Fran did, which is which is great and all. But, uh, yeah, no, he didn't. And so that could happen here. Have you heard – I don't – and I'm sure you probably haven't heard a lot, but anybody we should be worried about in terms of guys we'd like to see stay but might be thinking about leaving? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I 
probably just rather not say anything because I don't want to get the wrong impression. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, Kakert's saying that this guy's leaving. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm not right. saying that. You've got you to know, look. So in I, other words, you've heard just, some things, but you can't. I, I got you. Here, here, here's the thing I would say is Iowa's not going to be immune to people leaving, and people are going to freak out when people leave. And they're going to be like, oh, my God, he's leaving. You know, Alex Padilla today, uh, Josh Volk, reserve offensive lineman just put his name into the transfer portal. There's going to be other guys from various different position groups that are going to decide that they want to see if the grass might be greener somewhere else. That's just, that's how college sports is going to be now, especially because you don't have to sit. Yeah. You start to, you know, you started talking a little bit ago to Bruce here at, uh, at GMIX about uh, the basketball team. We still forget that CJ Frederick and, and, uh, Jack Nungy could be on this basketball team, and how much better would they be at the very least if uh, Jack Nungy was an, another yeah, post presence for this basketball team, right? Here, here's the ca- the cautionary tale with C.J. Frederick is, you know, um, up until the Friday before he put he put his name in on a Sunday, but that Friday he met with Fran McCaffrey and told him he was going nowhere, and he didn't right. know where these rumors were coming from. Right. It, so, right. It, yeah, great point. It, it's, it's wild, wild west. What might be true? What might be true right now may not be true 48 hours from now or 24 hours from now. Who makes a phone call to somebody's uncle and says, hey, if you want to let your nephew know that I've got a spot for him and he'll start here, right? Yep. Um, it, it very well could change things. And I, I, I don't want to freak out either. I think there's some good, talented players on the Iowa football team that we may lose. Um, and and it, for a number of different reasons, just to go try something different. And it's just going to be one of those things we're going to have to get used to, and I, I hate it. I really hate it. But who knows? Maybe you end up with some with some really good players coming in. Um, as you take a look at if you, as you take a look down the road uh, at this bowl this bowl uh, lineup, where do you see the Hawks landing for that? Well, um, you know, had they won, I would have really penciled them into Tampa, um, but that's not going to happen now. Um, you know, I think it starts with Music City, but if Music City takes Kentucky, which it looks like they're going to do, Bulls tend not to want to have um, rematches a year later. They just don't. And yep. conferences tend to avoid trying to do rematches, too, when they're kind of slotting the Bulls. So, well, I think that might be possible uh, that, that Music City – if they're taking Kentucky, I kind of think maybe they'll just not do that. So, you know, pinstripe seems to be like a, a, a significant option. Um, if not that, then maybe uh, the mayonnaise bowl, which I've joked would be the perfect ending for the Iowa football season. I, I thought that, so. Uh, I thought the may, Mayo Bowl was got to select ahead of Music City. Am I wrong? No, uh, it's it, it goes uh, okay. Music City, pinstripe. Uh, Duke's Mayo. Okay, and then guaranteed then rate. Then guaranteed bowl. rate. Yeah. In then Phoenix. guaranteed rate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So any of those wouldn't be bad, right? I mean, really, they're not. The, the only thing you there's want to avoid Bill is Brazier, Detroit. Yep. The late, the late Bill Brazier said there's no such thing as a bad bowl game. All right. Hey, there's the music. Tom took up your whole time. Appreciate it. We'll Thanks, catch guys. you next week. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. David and I will be back here in just a minute on the Hawkeye Huddle on 1700 The Champ and 101.3 FM. And we're back here in the Hawkeye Idol, Brett Ridge, Dave Creighton Jr. 
as we are each week from 6 to 7 o'clock here on 1700 The Champ and 101.3 FM here in the Des Moines area, around the world at thehawkeyehuddle.com. That's thehawkeyehuddle.com, powered by our friends at Gatehouse Pictures. Uh, check them out for film and video production. Did a little work over there uh, earlier today, finishing up a couple of projects. Uh, you know, David, Rick, Rick's, uh, Rick's a little under the weather as well. I'm not sure what you guys, uh, I hope you have not given this to me. I'm telling you right now. I mean, I feel sorry for you, but I don't want it again. Um, let's talk about our other great sponsors, my friend, uh, including uh, sitting right in front of us here, uh, Angie Lancaster of Remax Concepts. Took care of you uh, this last year, David. Sold your house in one day, correct? Correct. That is correct. And uh, she also has an inventory of homes if you're looking to buy a new one. Lots she can do for you there. And, of course, uh, Brian Houck at, at Key Mortgage, um, who's uh, does a terrific job working with all kinds of different lender or uh, uh, different uh, realtors around the area as a lender, trying to help you uh, find a way into your home. And uh, they'll work together if you ne- if they need you to, uh, if you'd like them to. Otherwise, uh, they can help you with somebody else as well. So both of them, are, of course, our friends at AMPM Plumbing. Uh, this just in, they do plumbing. Not much they else, plumbing. but plumbing. They do plumbing. And, of course, uh, of our friends here at G-Mix who have hosted us uh, for, I think, five of the last six years here on the Hawkeye Huddle. And we've had a really good time with that. Uh, we'll talk about our Fifth Street Five brought to you by Private Wealth Asset Management here in just a minute. It's a doozy. It's a, it's uh-huh. a, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to bring a smile to your face, but it's a doozy. We'll get there in just a minute. We want to mention the women's basketball team because uh, we haven't gotten into this, but uh, they won 73-59 uh, against Oregon State out in the Phil Knight Classic. That was basically a road game because it was in Portland um, on Friday night uh, while we were on our way home. I think uh, – I may have uh, may have propped the, the uh, cell phone up on the on the dashboard and watched a little bit of that, and then uh, yeah. lost to UConn on Sunday, eighty six seventy nine. Had a lead in the fourth quarter, went on a nice nine zero run, got themselves a good sized lead, and then UConn went on a thirteen zero run and took it away from him. It was too bad. Uh, Clark had twenty five in the game, seven boards, six assists. Kate Martin with twenty points. She had four threes. That's a career high for her. By that 13-0 run, and UConn is just, man, they just come in waves. You know, they, they are that good. But, David, this is the first time I really felt like I watched this. I don't know how much you watched that game there. This is the first time I watched the Iowa women's basketball team against one of those top five blue bloods and thought, you know what, they're, they're not only in this. Uh, one stop, one bucket, and that thing is, is, is a two-point game, right? They were right there with that, that team. Yeah, there's no question that. And talk about a, a game coming up next week with Iowa versus Iowa State. I mean, I think both these teams. And, you know, it's because you've got great guard play, Jalen Clark, Iowa State has Ashley Jones. And that really matters. <clears throat> you know, the difference between UConn and Iowa is depth. Um, you know, first five, not maybe there's not a huge difference. Second five, there's a pretty big difference. And, and, you know, that's, that's the thing, but you're right. I mean, Iowa was in that game and certainly had an opportunity to, to win. Gino was nothing but effusive with his praise of Lisa Bluter and her bunch. Um, and honestly, as much as we love the Iowa bat, women's basketball team, if they could play just a titch of defense, much like the football team, if we could have played a little offense, uh, that would 
that would make a huge, huge difference. And when they're playing good, they get stops. And and that's what happened against Oregon State and didn't happen against uh, Connecticut. Yeah, they had a tough time getting that. Connecticut does a nice job of running somebody to the corner for the three, and Iowa had a tough time with that. Um, the Hawks do have number 12 uh, slash 11 NC State at home on the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That's Thursday night, and then they're at Wisconsin Sunday. So before they get to that game with Ashley, Ashley Jones and her father, whether they let him into the uh, arena or not, maybe if he brings tenderloins, they'll let him in. Um, they got them next week. but So there's a couple of big games coming up. But uh, I, I think you're right. It's all about defense for them and where they go from here because uh, they certainly can score the basketball. And let me just say, when you start talking about the backup five for that for that team, of course they returned all five starters. Hannah Stolke, the freshman, uh, she's going to be a player, man. I mean, she's, oh, yeah. she's got some size. She's got, she's got a little ways to go, but she's going to be a player as well. Uh, she's a little more athletic than Iowa's bigs have been. She's not quite as, as uh, I don't know how you put this, wide-bodied, right? She's not quite as thick. Right in terms of posting up, but, boy, she's got some moves it's down big, there. She's going to be fun the, to watch. Big in the hip. Yep, not, not, not quite the same as Monica Sinano that way, or Gus the Bus was, uh, Megan Gustafson, but uh, certainly um, be fun to watch her. Wrestlers, by the way, uh, won their only match this week, 26-11 over number 21 Penn. Uh, still having trouble at uh, 125 until they put in, uh, until they, our friend Mr. Lee gets in there, right? But uh, right. Sunday... Sunday they get Iowa State. It used to be the biggest match of the year, but it's uh, right now it's uh, it's Iowa and Iowa State on Sunday. BTN unranked Iowa State on uh, at one thirty on Sunday, and we'll see how the Hawks do there, and, and we'll see whether Spencer Lee starts to wrestle for Iowa here as we get into the Big Ten season or some of these bigger matches. We want to run into the uh, into the Fifth Street Five, brought to you by Private Wealth Asset Management here in Valley Junction. Of course, they want to promote all the great businesses down here. Another jingle in the junction coming up here in December. Uh, I believe that's the 17th, I think, coming up uh, here in December. But on top of that, I mean, every night down here, you've got four or five good restaurants, actually five, ten re- good restaurants, a bunch of shops, including our friends here at G-Migs. And uh, uh, Private Wealth Asset Management wants to promote uh, those businesses. They're not a walk-in business, but they want to make sure that everybody around here in the neighborhood is is, uh, is uh, properly sunshine because this is a great place to be. That's why we love doing our show down here. What we're going to do, David, we – discussed this very briefly and came up with we got to go with our our top five most disappointing year-end football losses in iowa football history uh so let's let's start with number five what do you got there uh the rose bowl with christian mccaffrey let's go regular season i'll I'll take okay let's let's knock the the bowl games off i agree let's go right this is how much we discussed this tonight folks david's sick so we've <laughs> but, number five uh, is uh, the Western Michigan game. Yes. Then, yep, yeah, I I got to go there. That uh, and that was, if I believe, uh, I'm going to put. I think four out of the four, uh, three of these games were uh, kept Iowa out of a bowl game, and that one against Western Michigan did lost it at the end. Played terrible. Uh, was that a Jake Christensen? Uh, that may have been Jake's last stand. I believe so. Yeah, Andrew says it was. I got to agree. So that's yeah. number five. Uh, another one that kept Iowa out of a bowl game in 1989. Minnesota came in. Uh, the Hawks were five and six, looking to go to a bowl game, trying to get to six and six. And the Gophers, with a 42 to seven beat down of the Hawkeyes in their home field, I actually left early. That doesn't happen. <laughs> Not very often. Do you remember that one at all? I you probably don't. That was it was a non memorable game, right? What year was that? 89. 89. 89. 
Yeah. Uh, let's move to I'm number sure three. I remember it, but not exactly. What else do number you got? Number three what was else? on Friday. Uh, okay. Ju- yep. Just the in its recency bias, but the the fact that Nebraska, I mean, clearly the best game they played all year, and and as bad as as bad as we've been, um, you know, somebody sent us a text that you know bad football shouldn't be rewarded, and I think that was sort of the culmination of of it, and and it's fool's gold to think that this team would have been. You know, eight wins, nine wins if they get a bowl game, and now potentially eight wins with the bowl game. It's just disappointing to see them not have any any ability to execute on offense. And then, obviously, when Cooper got hurt, the defense lost a lot of its swagger. So that Friday was up there for me. The the rest of these for me all go to Minnesota because that's who we played at the end of the year for so long. Right. Right, right. Uh, it, uh, you've got the one year when the one in ten, uh, the one in ten Minnesota team beat Iowa. That uh, Lou Holtz was the was the coach. I think that's an honorable mention. I'm going to go with uh, number two in there was I, I believe 1992. Paul Burmeister was our quarterback. All Iowa had to do to win to go to a bowl game, I believe, it was going to be the Copper Bowl was, bowl was win, and they lost 28 to 13. And Minnesota was throwing deep on them and grinding it into them in that game uh, as Iowa lost that one for number two for me. Do you have a number a number two or a number one? What was what was the game? I think it was at Minnesota where we, like, made a field goal, had a penalty, and then missed the field goal. And then missed you know the, what I'm talking about? No. no. I'm not sure about that one. I know you and we I were there, there up there. 90s. We were up there the year that uh, – that they re- replaced Drew Tate with Jake Christensen for in the middle of the fourth oh, quarter. Oh, that was horrible. That game. Uh, and, I went, and they lost, right? We went up there with our families, and they lost that one. Um, I, I'm going to put it at the top of the list. So this one didn't keep Iowa out of a bowl. But Iowa's Rose Bowl season. Iowa's Rose Bowl season uh, in 1990. Was that 1991? 92. Yes. Uh, 1990. Iowa's Rose Bowl season culminated in not only a loss at home uh, on the last play of the game to Ohio State, but then they went up and lost, I believe, to Ricky Foggy in Minnesota uh, and backed into the Rose Bowl as Ohio State lost that day as well. And Iowa ended up backing into the Rose Bowl uh, going, I believe, 8-3 and three that year, um, but lost fairly handily to Minnesota. It was the game where Iowa was whistled for a penalty for the fans making too much noise in the right. opponent's stadium. That to me is the number one thing. <laughs> I'll never forget that. We're yeah, there. And we're all, we all sat role. down and shut up, and the Minnesota fans made noise, and they penalized Iowa on the goal line, and Iowa couldn't score and lost by one score. How's that? Yeah. Anything I got rid better? of that rule. Okay. No, I'm, go- I'm going with that. Okay. So I, w- I want to call, call one thing. I- I- last call. I want to call one Iowa thing. Iowa wins by the tonight. Way. Oh. Okay. Hawks tonight. They're covering 15 and a half points. They're covering this one. I'm with it. Join us next week for the Hawkeye Hill here on 17 or the champ at 101.3 FM.